And I want to talk to you about this, some reasons I would be tempted. And so this is personally tonight, some reasons I would be tempted to forsake the house of God. And so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21, the Bible says, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. What's the day? The day of the Lord. As you see the day approaching, we're not to do less, we're to do more as we see the day approaching. Verse 25 is our text. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so just for a few minutes tonight, I want to talk to you about that subject, some reasons that I would be tempted to forsake the house of God. And I just want this to be sort of a building message for our church. And, and uh, man, we want to just see God continue to work and bless and bless this thing. And that's what it's all about. It's about his will. Right. It's not about the pastor's will. And, and uh, I love you folks to death, but I'm going to be honest, it's really not about your will either. Amen. It's about his will. Right. It's about what he wants. If he wants us to have 10... And that's the will of God, then praise the Lord for the will of God. But if the Lord decides that he wants to keep blessing this thing, you know what? It's all about what he wants. And so we just have to leave that to him. You say, well, preacher, if the Lord keeps blessing it, what are we going to do? That's the thing. It's not about what, what we're going to do. It's about what he's going to do. So we don't have to worry about that. It's not my church, not your church, his church. And so God knows what we need. He'll give us what we need. He'll provide. And so we don't have to worry. We just have to make sure that we do what God wants us to do. Yes. You may be seated tonight. Let's pray and we'll jump into this. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your blessings. And, and Lord, I pray that you'll help us now uh, as we take just a few moments. I don't think we're going to be lengthy at all tonight, Lord, but just take just a few moments and just challenge the church about some things you've laid upon my heart uh, as, uh, as a pastor, as the pastor here at Calvary. And uh, I pray that all these things will be a blessing. I pray they'll make sense. I pray they'll honor you and please you. And Lord, you know, in my spirit, my heart, I, I wanted to teach on the Holy Spirit tonight, but Lord, you seem to, to direct in a, a different direction tonight. So I'm gonna do my best to honor you and we want to follow uh, your guidance tonight. So Holy Spirit, please now, please, please help us and knit our hearts together as we learn tonight. And I pray all that's said and done would honor you and please you. Uh, Holy Spirit of God, breathe upon us, please, in a great way. You've certainly done that tonight. And we're so thankful. God, you don't have to do that. Uh, Lord, you could, you could just pass by this place. And so we just thank you for meeting with us. Lord, direct our attention to your word now, please. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake, amen. Look at verse 25 again. And, uh, and look what he says here, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And then he says, and so much the more as he see the day approaching. Uh, you know, one thing that would be great for us to keep in mind tonight as we read the scriptures, this, that this book, the book of Hebrews is directed to Hebrew believers. It's directed to Hebrew believers. You say, okay, preacher, 
big deal. Well, you know what? Really, that is a big deal. And that gives us a, uh, it gives us a much better understanding of where this book is coming from. This book is directed to Hebrew believers. These are people, these are Hebrew people, Hebrew believers that have come from a very strict life of Judaism. All their life, they've been encouraged to keep the law of Moses. Keep the law, keep the law, keep the law. Uh, and not only that, but the thing that we, many of you understand, some of you don't, but, but the Pharisees and the scribes had added hundreds and hundreds of laws to the law of God, even to the point where the law of God really became secondary to their law. And so now they had all these regulations and these rules and these policies and, and all these crazy things that they were adding to the law. And these Hebrew believers, these Hebrew Christians, before they were Christians, were admonished to, to, to live according to the law of Moses. And if they did not do that, they were looked down upon and they were persecuted. Look what our Bible says, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 32. He says here, but call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, look what he says here, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. So there was this, you understand, that there was this huge temptation for these Hebrew believers to go back into Judaism. There was this big draw for them to go back into the law and to do what they'd always done so they would not have to suffer this persecution anymore. And with that in mind, the writer of the book of Hebrews challenges them to be faithful to the house of God. Be faithful to that regular assembly because this is gonna encourage you to remain strong in your Christian life. Hey, Calvary, that's not bad advice. It's not bad advice for Hebrew believers, and it's not really bad advice for Calvary believers. To just stay faithful to the house of God because the house of God is going to encourage you to remain strong in your Christian walk. I'm just going to tell you something tonight. I love church. I love it. I love it. Now, I am the pastor here, yes, but I'm gonna, I, I don't love it because I'm the pastor. I just love church. And I love this place. And my wife and I, you know what? It's not a drudgery for us on, uh, on Sunday morning to get up and come to the house of God. We can't wait to get here. I mean, we just love, we love the house of God. And I hear sometimes I hear people say, well, you know what? Mom and dad forced me to go to the church and when I was young. And because of that, I hate the church today. And I thought, I don't understand that. Mom and, Mom and dad made me go to church when I was young. And man, I love church more today than I've ever loved it in my entire life. And I'm so thankful for the house of God. And what's really, really sad is in these last days, many have left the church. And church attendances are down. When I say down, I mean down considerably. One article said this, that Western cultures are facing a major crisis with 83.6% of America not attending a conventional church on a given weekend. Hey, Calvary, listen to this. In 1947, 78% of Americans attended church. 78% of Americans. Just 43 years later in 1990, that statistic went from 78% to 20. 20.4% in 1990, 20.4% of Americans attended church on a given weekend. In 2000, 187 in 2005, 
In 2010, 16.2. In 2020, 14.4. Now church, I'm not talking about Japan. I'm not talking about China. I'm talking about America. In 2020, 14, just a little over 14% of people are darkening the door of a church on the Lord's day. What a sad, sad statistic that is. Now, here's the question. Why do people forsake the house of God? Well, uh, I just, I wrote down, I think, three or four things just by way of introduction. I want just to throw out there to you. Some forsake God's house out of laziness. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 15. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. How many times have we heard this? My only day to rest. Well, you better not rest on the Lord's day. You better make sure you get to the house of God. But a lot of Christians forsake God's house just out of laziness. They'd rather lay in the bed. They'd rather stay in the easy chair. Some forsake uh, God's house out of selfishness. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, the Bible says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, the Bible says, Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There are some who don't go to church because they don't want to feel that need to contribute to an offering. Some forsake God's house out of selfishness. Some forsake God's house out of covetousness. Covetousness. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. That word covetous, the idea of greedy or greed. And how many would rather work and make money than go to the house of God? And so some because of laziness, some because of selfishness, some because of covetousness, and I thought about this. Some forsake God's house out of carefulness. Philippians chapter four, verse six, the Bible says, be careful for nothing. Do you know why some people in 2023 are not going to the house of God? They're afraid to catch something. They're worried about catching something. Now, isn't it amazing that the same Christians go to Walmart and Captain's Galley and McDonald's and Food Line and the post office and they go to family reunions and vacation and Disney World and Myrtle Beach and Planet Fitness and Starbucks and Target and Best Buy and Trampoline Parks and birthday parties and yet they don't go to the house of God because if you go to the house of God, you're gonna catch COVID. And the Bible says be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. You know what, if it's God's, if it's God's will for you to check out, you're gonna check out regardless, amen, it doesn't matter. But I don't want to talk to you about those things. I want to talk to you about some personal reasons. I understand laziness, selfishness, covetousness. I understand all that. But I want to tell you some personal reasons that I would be tempted to forsake the house of God. How about this? Number one, if the church lacked on love, it would tempt me to forsake the house of God. Proverbs 18, 24 says it like this. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a brother that sticketh closer than a brother. God delivers from these churches that are cold and calloused and closed to the world. Hey, Calvary, let me tell you a good lesson for us all to learn, including me tonight. People don't care how much you know until first they know how much you care. 
And you know why a lot of folks aren't going to the house of God? Because they, they, they've had a bad experience. And I'm not saying that's a good excuse. I'm just saying that a lot of folks that went somewhere, they went to some church, and man, it was just as cold as a cucumber, and nobody shook their hand, and nobody welcomed them in, and uh, some even you know, tried to exclude them and try to run them back on the outside. And, uh, and, you know, one of the things I noticed is evidently, evidently, even back in Bible days, there were some churches like this. Would you take your Bibles and turn, you're in Hebrews, turn over to the book of James real quick and look at James chapter two and look at verse number one. Evidently, there were some churches back in James's day that were not quite so friendly. James chapter two, verse number one. The Bible says, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if they're coming into your assembly, a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and they're coming also a poor man in vile raiment, James 2, verse 3, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say to him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand thou here, there, or sit here under my footstool, are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which hath promised to them that loved him? Church, I'm just, I'm just giving you a personal testimony. If I was a, a young Christian or not even saved and I were to go to the church and a church was unfriendly or a church refused to speak, or a church didn't act like they wanted to shake my hand. I'm going to be honest with you. I would be tempted to forsake the house of God. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that if I was a young Christian and I went to a church and nobody befriended me and nobody shook my hand, I would be tempted. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I would be tempted to forsake the house of God. You know what? It's sad, isn't it, what's going on in churches nowadays? And we're hearing people all the time, folks coming in, telling us about experiences they've had. And uh, again, this isn't deep preaching. I don't even know this is Bible preaching. It's just something the pastor wants to give you tonight. I'm just telling you, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you. If I was a young Christian and I walked into the Calvary Baptist Church and I sat down in this seat right here and somebody came up to me and said, you can't sit there. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd be tempted to forsake the house of God. If somebody came up to me and said, that's my chair. Number one, I want to pull it out and say, man, where's your name at? I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know we had assigned seating in the church. And by the way, just in case anybody's wondering, we don't have assigned seating in the church. You say, that's my chair. It's not your chair. It's God's chair. That's not my chair. That's not my chair. That's God's chair. This is not my pulpit. This is God's pulpit. This is not my rug. It's God's rug. That's not my piano. That's God's piano. This is not my building. It's God's building. This is not my property. It's God's property. That property down there is not our property. It's God's property. Oh, listen, church, this is all I'm saying. When people walk into the house of God, we ought to do our best to let them know we love you. We care about you. We want you here at the Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove, North Carolina. Amen. You know, I, I thought about this. If I was a young Christian and I walked into the church and somebody was more concerned about my appearance than my soul, I'd be tempted to forsake the house of God. 
If someone was more concerned about the color of my skin or the length of my hair or the tattoo on my arm, and I'm not, I'm not condoning long hair and I'm not condoning tattoos. I'm just saying this church, we got to love people where they are. How are they ever going to be taught? How are they ever going to hear preaching if we don't love them where they are, bring them into the house of God, get them to the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, listen, this is all I'm saying. Listen, if a church lacked love, I'd be tempted to forsake the house of God. I think about that story I heard years and years ago. And, and it was like this years ago. On most uh, colleges, uh, Bible colleges, you could just walk on the campus. You can't do that anymore. Now you got to check through the guard shack and then you got to get your name uh, put in and you got to get a badge and all that kind of stuff, you know. But years ago, you could just walk on the average Bible college campus and, and, uh, and most Bible colleges back in the day had chapel just about every day. And if you were a visitor or lived in that town, you could just visit the college campus and go to the chapel. Well, that's what happened. Certain Bible college was having chapel and there was a gentleman that decided to visit that college that day and, and he was gonna go to chapel. He heard about chapel and thought he was gonna go to chapel and so he got there early and the chapel's pretty empty and uh, he went down and find him, uh, found him a, a seat and he sat down that seat and I mean, chapel's getting ready to start and right about the time, I mean, just right about the time chapel's getting ready to start. Here came a, of all things, here came a, a preacher. Here came a ministerial student, you know, the hope of America. And, uh, and he walks down the aisle where this visitor is seated and he says, you're in my seat. Well, the man didn't know. He didn't go to the Bible college. He didn't know they had assigned seating. And, and he said, sir, I'm, I'm so sorry. He said, you, you got that right, you are. He said, get up out of my seat, you're in my seat. And he apologized, and he said, I'm sorry, sir, I didn't, I didn't realize. He said, get out of my seat, man. Chap's getting ready to start. Get out of my seat. And boy, just rude and just really, really embarrassed this man and, and uh, didn't think anything about it. That's what rude people do. They don't think anything about it. And, uh, but you know what? Several, several years later, that young ministerial student graduated from Bible college and, uh, uh, and a church called, and they wanted him to come, and they wanted him to candidate uh, for the pastor of that church. And I'll give you three guesses who was on the uh, pulpit committee uh, in that church. You guessed it. The guy that he ran off out of that seat. And I'll tell you something else. If you think that he got that pastor, uh, they got another thing coming. Oh, listen, this is all I'm saying. Church, people don't care how much you know until first they know how much you care. May we be a caring church at Calvary. Boy, old story. I hadn't told this story in a long, long time. There was a a church and an affluent couple visited there. When I say affluent, I mean they had money. She walked in with a fur. He walked in with, he didn't have a JCPenney suit on, man. He had, I mean, one of these tailor-made suits. And they walked in, sat down in the, in the service. And, and right across the aisle was this little poor, just a little poor kid. Had holes in the trousers of his pants. And he was a little embarrassed by the holes in his pants. And so he put his hands up there on the holes, tried to cover the holes in his pants up. And the lady began to look across the aisle at the little boy, and he began to look across the aisle at her. And they sort of connected eyes, and, and, uh, and uh, he would look over and smile at her, and she would smile at him. She said to her husband through the course of the service, she said, Honey, I don't know what it is, but she said, There's something different about this church. He said, Well, honey, what is it? She said, I don't know. Hadn't got it figured out yet, but there's something different about this church. 
She, uh, the service went on and she looked over at that little poor kid and had those holes in his britches and, you know, they were just making eye contact and, and uh, just sort of, you know, just sort of loving on him, you know, from a distance. And, and she said to her husband, honey, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. She said, there's something different about this church. She said, I can feel it. There's just something different about this church. And she kept saying that all the way through. And, and finally, toward the end of the service, she said, honey, I figured it out. I know what it is. I know what it is. And he said, well, honey, tell me, what is it? What's so different about this church? She said, you see that little boy across the aisle right there? There, that poor little kid with those holes in his britches. He said, yes, honey, I see him. She said, that little boy is just as welcome at this church as we are. Amen. Hey, may it be that way at the Calvary Baptist Church. Amen. I would be tempted to forsake the house of God if a church lacked on love. Quickly, how about this? Number two, if the church limited evangelism, it would tempt me to forsake the house of God. You know, it's a shame, isn't it? A lot of churches have stopped preaching the gospel. They become more concerned about programs and performances and plays and political correctness and popularity and politics and preachers. And in this, the truth church, sadly, the great commission has become the great omission. And I think that it's something important that we understand at Calvary Baptist Church from this day on, that evangelism, evangelism is the mission of the church. That's why we're here. That's our commission. Man, we're to, we're, we're to thank God for Sophia's decision this morning. But oh, listen, we ought not just be satisfied with that today. We ought to want to see hundreds and thousands come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Why? Because evangelism is our mission. That's why we're here, to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. May it, may it always be that way. I remember many years ago, down here at the old church, we had an adult man walk in. When I say adult, I'm talking uh, probably in his 20s, 25, 26 years old, probably something like that. And I didn't know who he was. Didn't know who he was till after the service was done. He walked in and he sat down. We don't have two rows down there. And uh, If I remember right, he sat over here on this side of the church. And, and, uh, uh, and, and I thought, well, I'm glad we got, a, you know, we got a visitor today. And we had the service and I preached. And, and uh, when I gave the invitation, this young man, 25, 26 years old, stepped out and walked the aisle. And one of our personal workers dealt with him. His name was Dakota. And he dealt with Dakota. And he won Dakota to Christ. And after the service, personal worker came to him and said, preacher, preacher. He said, do you know that why? And I said, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't know who it was. I said, preacher, that was one of our kids who used to ride the bus years ago. He was just a little, just a little kid when he came on our bus. And, and, and his family moved far, far away. For about 20 years, they moved away. And he came back into town. And this is what he told our personal worker. I knew if there was any place I could go to figure out how to be saved, I could go to Calvary Baptist Church. And Dakota got gloriously born again. Well, I want to tell you what. If the church lacked on love, I'd be tempted to forsake the house of God. If the church limited evangelism, I'd be tempted to forsake the house of God. Quickly, how about this? Number three, if the church legitimized immorality, I'd be tempted to forsake the house of God. Well, how many know this? It's a shame what's going on in churches nowadays. It's a shame. Miss Tammy and I, and she can, she can verify what I'm about to tell you is the truth. We were on vacation. And so we, we wanted to go to church somewhere. And so we found a Baptist church on vacation and uh, had never been there. But we thought, well, Baptist church can't be that bad. It's got to be pretty good. Amen? <laughs> yeah, right. And we went to this Baptist church, Sunday night service, went to the Baptist church. 
And through the course of the service, we're like, man, we are in the wrong place. That's for sure. I mean, liberal with a capital L. I mean, as liberal as liberal could be. In fact, church, I just, I just put it this way. It got so bad. I mean, it just got so bad. I told Miss Tammy, I said, listen. I said, if they pray, if, if they pray, we're out of here. And so sure enough, when she finally prayed, we exited. I mean, listen, when heads went down, we went out. Oh, listen, church, it is a shame. You know what? Sadly, we have churches that are placing their stamp of approval on things like homosexuality and adultery and abortion and immorality. Listen to what Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Hey, Calvary, can I just encourage us, let's keep taking a stand. I know it's not popular. I know some people don't like it, but let's just keep taking a stand for what is right. If the church lacked love, I'd be tempted to forsake the house of God. If the church limited evangelism, I'd be tempted to forsake God's house. If the church legitimized immorality, I'd be tempted to forsake God's house. And I'm done. I told you it was going to be quick tonight. How about this? If the church was likened to a funeral home, it would tempt me to forsake the house of God. Now, I know, I do know, people criticize us. I know that. And they call us the holy rollers down at Calvary Baptist Church because occasionally people raise a hand and praise the Lord and say amen and give a testimony. And sometimes our preaching is somewhat passionate and then just, um, what, uh, March 2022, when we had the uh, spontaneous revival breakout and we had people that just criticized us without mercy because we had revival. And I just want to say, you know what, what they don't understand is this, their church is more like a funeral home than a New yeah. Testament church. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Funeral homes are quiet. Yeah. You ever been to a funeral home? You know what they do? A lot of churches like that. Man, you walk in just quiet. The music sounds like a funeral dirge. People are sad. Nobody smiles. You know what? They're there to see a dead person. Usually there are very few young people at funeral homes because young people don't like to go to funeral homes. It's depressing. It's often dark. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. The early church had no similarities to a funeral home. Listen to these verses and we're done. Listen to this. Acts 2.46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Listen to these verses. Acts chapter 3 verse 7. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Listen, just go ahead and let them criticize. Thank God this is not the Calvary funeral home. 
This is the Calvary Baptist Church. That's just a simple, simple little message tonight, church. I believe God wants to do something in Calvary. I believe God's doing something in Calvary. And God's filling it up. God's filling this place up. Church, you know what? We got to keep on welcoming folks in. And it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter if they sit in your seat. Man, just find another seat. Amen. Amen. And if, and if there's not another seat, we'll bring in some more. And you know what? If you want us to, we'll seat you right down here in the front. Right down here in the front. But let's remember something. People don't care how much you know until first they know how much you care. Will you bow your heads with me tonight? Father, we thank you for your blessings. Lord, would you keep us on track? Lord, would you help us to stay on track? God, would you help us to continue to preach the gospel, to lead men and women, boys and girls to Jesus? Lord, that's our commission. That's what it's all about. Lord, it's not about us being popular with the community. God, it's not about us doing what we want to do, what the preacher wants to do. It's all about honoring the will of God. Father, would you do this? Would you put a hedge around us? And Father, would you protect us? And God, would you help us to be faithful? God, even in these last days in which we're living, God, please, when the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes again, would you help us to be found faithful? God, I'm not just praying this for me and my wife. I pray this for our deacons. I pray this for our leaders. I pray this for our teachers. I pray this for our church members. Oh, Father, help us not to stumble. God, help us never to bring reproach to the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that if you tarry your coming, I pray there'll be a church in Union Grove, North Carolina that sticks with the stuff and stays faithful. Father, have your way in this invitation. I don't know, tonight it could be there's somebody else that needs to get saved. God, it, it could be there's somebody here tonight that needs to recommit their life to Jesus. Lord, it could be there's somebody here tonight that's struggling with some type of a burden, a heavy burden, and they just need to come to this altar and pray. Whatever it might be, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd have your way tonight in this invitation. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, can I ask a, a question before we go tonight? Is there one here tonight anywhere would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I really need you to pray for me. Is there one like that? I see that little hand right there. Is there anybody else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I see that. I see that hand. Anybody else? If I died, I'm not sure of heaven, preacher. I see that hand. That little hand right there. Thank you. I don't want to miss these little hands either. I want to pray for them. Anybody else? Anybody else? We're going to pray. We're going to pray for these hands that were lifted. Hey, child of God. Are you ready? Are you ready to stand before the throne? 
Men, are you ready to see God do something to Calvary Baptist Church? Maybe there's somebody here tonight. You say, Preacher, I'm just really struggling. I'm really struggling with some things right now. God knows what it's about, but it's a heavy burden. Hey, listen, why don't you, in just a moment, why don't you just tiptoe down to this altar? I like that song that says, Burdens are lifted at Calvary. You come tonight. If you need prayer, we'll pray with you. Would you stand with us all over the house? Father, have your way in this invitation. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. Lord, I pray for these young ones that raise their hands about salvation. God, that tells me that you're beginning that process of dealing with hearts. And God, I pray that you'd bring them to that place of understanding how much you love them and care for them. And I pray that soon, Lord, they'd come to the, to the Savior. God, I pray for those that are here tonight and just need to rededicate their life to Jesus. Or maybe there's someone here tonight that's battling with a stronghold in their life or a burden of some kind. Father, tonight I pray that you might lift it. And I pray they'd go home free tonight, encouraged. God, have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. We're going to pause just for a moment. Heads about, eyes are closed. And I'm going to make my way to the main floor just for a moment. And if we can pray with you or help you, we'll be here just for a second. Then we're going to sing and we're going to be dismissed in prayer tonight. All right? But if there might be one and you need to come, you come while we wait tonight.